Good morning. Here we are. Welcome. Thanks for being here this morning. We will be allowing people to get on with us. It is officially 9.30. Thanks for being here. Um, good morning, Ronnie. Um, appreciate you being here today. We've got, uh, we're going to play a little music to allow people to get on and join us uh, on this wet morning. Um, we're going to play uh, Kirk Franklin, something about the name Jesus. Good morning, Roscoe. Good morning, Sarah. Uh, we're going to play the music and allow people to get on, so we'll have this in the background uh, for a few minutes until we, we get some more people on. Thank you for being here. Well, there's nothing wrong with dancing for Jesus. But we can't forget where we come from. So if you don't mind, let's have a little church right now. Something about that name. Thank you, Jesus. Everybody. 
morning, Ann. And Larry. Something about the name Jesus by Kirk Franklin. That was the music. And, uh, you want me to hold this? No. Okay. Um, I'm trying to soften me a little bit. Okay. Um, we're going to go ahead and uh, get into the announcements. Uh, I can tell by uh, the weather today is not going to be all that cooperative. Um, so we. Uh, uh, we'll do our best to get through that uh, when we get down to church on uh, this morning. Uh, I will say that um, for a moment there, there looked like there would be a pocket where we would have a pretty clear sailing uh, for a little bit, and then it's kind of that window's kind of closed up. So we'll deal with that when we get to it. Uh, for now, I want to make some announcements uh, for this morning. Uh, again, thanks for being here. Um, it's kind of a, a sleepy morning because when it's raining, people want to sleep in. Uh, so uh, we'll see how that goes. But a couple things. Just want to make sure that uh, we're remembering our tithes and offerings uh, for church. Uh, we um, want to make sure that we are uh, can still contributing to the church as far as making sure that the church is uh, having the funds necessary to operate as well as pay salaries. The uh, For those of you who want to mail the tithe or offering, uh, please do so. It's Akron Alliance Fellowship. 688 Diagonal Road, Akron, Ohio, 44320. Um, and uh, in the event that you're coming to church today, um, we would uh, have you drop your tithe and the uh, and offering in the uh, drop box on the left on the left hand side as you're driving into the uh, entrance uh, way by right across from the uh, main entrance for the church. Uh, please drop it in there. Because it's raining today, we're going to probably emphasize um, and when you come to church today that you'll be sitting in your cars. And, uh, and uh, for those of you who have the capability of uh, using uh, Facebook Live, please do so. Um, you can do so from your car. Uh, the way it's looking right now, I'm not involved with the setup at the church, but we were going to be in the back anyway because the grass was wet. And we were going to be uh, working with what we had. Um, and my thought is that we'll, we'll do so and, and work from the back of the church and try to keep people dry. Um, it's not going to be her terribly unpleasant. It's going to be in the 70s, um, but the rain is supposed to be light, and it may turn into a, a, a straight rain sometime while we're uh, at church. So with that in mind, I'll probably be keeping uh, the message very short today if that's the case, uh, but we do want to get together and have some fellowship time. We still want to emphasize that. And as far as a contingency plan for getting into the building, I'm, I can't speak to that because I haven't heard yet if that is actually happening or not. I know that we were talking about it when we got into a, a cooler weather scenario. Um, but So I'm going to leave that to the elders and, and make that determination later. But we're still having church today, so just keep that in mind. And if you need to take an umbrella with you, then do so. 
um, and we will try to make sure that no one's outside for any length of time and, and getting drenched. And that's the beauty of uh, a drive-in worship service. The old drive-in days when you went to the drive-in movies, uh, whether it was rain or shine, you got to see the movie. You just stayed in your car and you enjoyed the, the movie while you were there. And that sounds a lot like what we'll be doing today. Uh, so we'll see how it goes. Amen. Um, with that in mind, I, I think those are the announcements for today. Uh, we'll be very conservative, like I said, with rain, and uh, keep that in mind as we the forecast is changing by the minute. Uh, as I keep track of those things with our with our with our apps and measuring weather uh, to the minute. But let's get started with the the lesson for today in Galatians. Um, if you'll turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Galatians chapter two, we're going to look at verses one through twenty-one. And what I've learned about this passage, these passages in Galatians, it's different than other epistles that are written uh, in, the, in the New Testament. It's a very interesting uh, passage because it covers some very important points that um, if you have to look closely, you'll see them. But let's, uh, let's do that and as we get move forward with a word of prayer, and we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time you've given us to, to come together as a church and come together as a group. Lord, we ask that you just bless us and keep us now. We thank you for your very presence. We thank you for your inspiration. We also thank you, Lord, for how you give us comfort through your word. We thank you for that desire to learn more from you and learn more about you, especially in times like these where uh, things have changed so dramatically that we want to make sure that we are not missing something when it comes to you speaking directly to us. And so that's my prayer, that we all have that same desire to hear you speak as clearly as possible and make sure that there's nothing left unsaid or undone where we have any lack of understanding as far as what wisdom you would have us to impart to others as well as what you would want us to receive. We give you thanks for all these things, Lord. We ask them in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And that is a good reminder to make sure that we're praying for others as well, too. Good morning, Ed. Um, we, we want to make sure that we're doing those very things. So we're covering all of Galatians chapter 2 uh, today in the, in the lesson. And what I'll do is I will read to you uh, the passages first, and then we'll go back and cover them and cover the important points. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, which is a, a great translation for free-flowing of text and language. Uh, please be sure that you're following along in your own Bibles uh, as best you can. And we'll go back over this. So starting with verse 1 in Galatians chapter 2. Then 14 years later I went back to Jerusalem again, this time with Barnabas, and Titus came along also. I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. While I was there I met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church and shared with them the message I had been preaching to the Gentiles. I wanted to make sure that we were in agreement for fear that all my efforts had been wasted and I was running the race for nothing. And they supported me and did not even demand that my companion, Titus, be circumcised, though he was a Gentile. Verse 4. Even that question came up only because of some so-called believers there, false ones really, who were secretly brought in. They sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. They wanted to enslave us and force us to follow their Jewish religion regulations. But we refused to give in to them for a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message to you. Verse 6. And the leaders of the church had nothing to do, nothing to add to what I was preaching. 
By the way, their reputation as great leaders made no difference to me, for God has no favorites. Instead, they saw that God had given me the responsibility of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as he had given Peter the responsibility of preaching to the Jews. For the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews also worked through me as the apostle to the Gentiles. Verse 9. In fact... James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. Their only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor, which I have always been eager to do. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Verse 14. When I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of all the others, Since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? Verse 15, You and I are Jews at birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. Verse 17. But suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore down. For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Okay. A very rich and pointed passage in this letter to the uh, Galatians. And I think all of this detail was expressed to the Galatians, honestly, because there was a lot of scuffling in their midst as far as what the truth was. And part of this is also showing how Paul, if you go back to the top of the passage, he had to show himself to be qualified to even write this letter in the first place, which is something that you have to understand uh, the way people think sometimes. The mentality of some people is like, well, who are you writing this letter? Who are you? Uh, what credentials do you have? What is it? What exactly are your qualifications for, for doing this? And I think Paul uh, because of his, uh, p- these people were getting to know who he was, of course, 
um, it was very important for him to also let people know who he was. And notice what it says in verse 1, if you go back to the top of the passage. Then 14 years later, I went back to Jerusalem again, this time with Barnabas, and Titus came along too. I went there because God revealed to me that I should go. And it says, while I was there, I was met privately with those considered to be leaders of the church and share within the message I have been preaching to the Gentiles. Now, understand something. 14 years. Um, it's, it's interesting. We, we, I think we mentioned this very briefly uh, last week. But Paul, when he became converted, he did not immediately get plugged into this ministry thing. He actually had to spend some time uh, with the Lord in training. Um, it's something that's very, very important for us to emphasize as we uh, try to impart the wisdom of God to others. Those of us who are in leadership have to have qualifications for uh, doing so. Now, you're going to have situations where people are, are going to be uh, tested to see where they are and, and what potential they have for growth when it comes to leadership, uh, whether it be Bible studies or preaching or whatever it is, and that's fine. But But ultimately... 14 years is a pretty good amount of time to spend in training. And that is what Paul is saying here as far as what uh, his involvement was with the gospel. He spent many years preparing for the ministry to which God had called him. And the preparation time also included spending time alone with God. Because, let's face it, um, if you look at Paul's situation, he was a little different than the average individual who can, uh, came to Christ. Remember, he persecuted this church, the same church that he is now uh, preaching to. He was the one who allowed people to be uh, condemned and stoned, and he was the one who allowed people because he felt that the new way, as it was called at the time, uh, was not the way. It was, uh, he was ma merely defending the Jewish faith, uh, and yet he had to spend some time with God and have conversation uh, with him as well as with other Christians. So we need to make sure that Paul is emphasizing his qualifications here, spending time with other teachers, spending time with people who want, who also were in the Word as well, too. Um, you've heard the, the term, iron sharpens iron. Um, that is so true when it comes to finding people in your life, for example, who want to learn more about Jesus Christ and keeping those people in your life being surrounded by people who have a love for the gospel of Jesus Christ and spending time with individuals, um, not just even within the church, outside the church, people that you can find outside the church that you may get together with. Uh, there's a pastor in Cleveland um, that uh, uh, I admire him for all the work that he has done and what he has been doing, and he's been, he's been very, very active in the gospel and preaching. A good person to surround yourself with. Um, the chaplain that I met uh, over uh, at Kindred Hospice, uh, a gentleman who has actually been and visited us as a, as a church uh, one Sunday and plans to be back uh, to visit uh, with his wife. Uh, he is another gentleman who is very strong in the faith, strong in the word, and he is um, another person uh, that I want to surround myself with as well, too, and keep engaged in my life because these people are going to be good for me. Um, and they're going to be good, frankly, for anyone that they come in contact with. That's the kind of people that you want in your life. So certainly we need to fellowship as a church and get together on Sundays, but we also need to find individuals who are going to help you as you continue in ministry, uh, whether it's a volunteer ministry or paid ministry, 
to have people around you to help you to learn and study and grow in Christ. I think that's the most important takeaway from the first section here. Um, and understand that there was a lot of conversation uh, that Paul had with Barnabas. He was working with, um, you saw that he was working with Peter, which we'll discuss later on. Titus was involved. All these are names that you're very familiar with when you look at uh, the New Testament and the names of the different letters that are being written. Um, so we need to keep that in mind as we go forward. Now, the next thing I want to cover, too, is something that's relevant to today. And it goes back to verse 2. I went there, Paul, because God revealed to me that I should go. And you have to remember that God revealed to him something that was very important about going and learning about ministering not just to Jews but to Gentiles about God's salvation. If you remember culturally, Jews and Gentiles did not associate with each other. They did not communicate with, well with each other. They avoided each other. Um, you might have picked up on it later on in the passage where the Jews were born into it and the Gentiles were sinners. Uh, that's something that Paul had said. Um, but what Paul needed to understand and see was that God's salvation is offered to all people, here we go, regardless of race, sex, nationality, wealth, or social standing, or level of education, or anything else. So Paul needed to learn, as we have learned and as we are learning, that the gospel is for everyone, no matter what your economic status is, no matter what your race is, no matter what your color is, no matter where you come from, you are all entitled to be within the family of Jesus Christ if you believe and trust in the Lord Jesus. And that's something that's very important for us to see. Anyone can be forgiven by trusting in Jesus Christ. I want to take a look at a passage here. Uh, go to Romans 10. And, yeah, verses 8 through 13. Romans 10, verses 8 through 13. So basically keep your finger where you were in Galatians and flip over to Romans, or we can flip back to Galatians when it's time. But uh, this passage is very important for us to see. We need to make sure that when we're communicating to anybody and everyone, that we're very consistent in our communication about the love of Jesus Christ and the importance of following Jesus Christ, um, regardless of where they come from. There is a great deal of emphasis on that today when it comes to communicating with, with different people. Okay, that temporarily killed my wife, my feed there. Um, but I'm back. Romans 10, verses 8 through 13. Let's take a look at that and read what it says. It says, uh, but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that's that passage in Romans uh, Romans 10. Uh, uh, part of the old Romans road, I guess, is what uh, uh, 
uh, people have mentioned, discussed before when it comes to speaking to people about the love of Jesus Christ. And we have a tendency sometimes to make following Jesus Christ more um, difficult than it really is. It's not difficult at all. We just need to trust in his word. We need to trust and believe, like it says, that Jesus is Lord and that he uh, was raised from the dead, then you'll be saved. Plain and simple. Um, and that's something that's for everyone, Jews and Gentiles. So the emphasis is there, and we want to make sure that we're giving that emphasis. Um, and if you go further down, going back to Galatians and going back down in the passage, um, Paul made it very clear that there was a conflicting message that was taking place um, within the church. If you go back to verse 4, uh, even that question, back to chapter 2, verse 4 of Galatians, even that question that came up only because of so -called, some so-called believers there, false ones really, who were secretly brought in. They sneaked in to spy on us and take away the freedom we have in Christ Jesus. They wanted to enslave us and force us to follow their Jewish regulations. But we refused to give in to them for a single moment. We wanted to preserve the truth of the gospel message for you. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about this, but I will say honestly that we need to be very conscious of efforts by people who want to promote a false teaching and make sure that you are doing everything you can do in your power to make sure that you are seeking the scriptures and making sure that what is being said is true. And if it is not true, then you need to address it. You have to understand something. People will try to sometimes push agendas in churches, uh, sometimes wittingly, and they are counting on people using the approach and saying, well, we just we want to get along, we want to work with everyone, we want to be with everyone, uh, we still want this fellowship. Well, Satan uh, has made it a point to divide churches in that very manner. Um, because he doesn't want people, he, he, first of all, he doesn't care if you're going to church or not. If you're going to church, that's fine, but what he'll do is he'll cause division within the ranks of a church, which will cause more people to have a falling out with God or falling out with the church. So we need to understand that his motivation is to see people driven away from the church because of a lack of truth or false teaching. And it's very, very, very important to understand that. Um, okay, and I got a note here that it looks like we're not setting up at all for church, uh, as far as the uh, uh, only setting up. The, you're only setting up the mic <laughs> um, for for sitting. So there's no praise team today. So that makes perfect sense. Um, and uh, we'll we'll just kind of keep it brief today. I actually picked out a message that uh, we can use as very quick, uh, and we'll work on that. So I'm sorry for the distraction there. I just want to get back to. The fact that we need to make sure that we're very, very conscious of people who are not preaching the truth, not speaking the truth. This was a real challenge in the Galatian church, and that's why the letter here was giving so much emphasis to this very aspect of it. The only way you can combat this is by your own personal study, reading and seeking the Lord Jesus Christ, seeking him in all that's taking place. Please, please do that. Please make sure that you're surrounding yourself with people who know the Lord Jesus Christ and are teaching truth. And also you do that personal study as well, too, to make sure that you are prepared. Remember, um, Paul had to have some time uh, to himself before he even got involved in this ministry. 
Um, and time does go by quickly, but 15 years, 14 years is still a long time um, for study time. So we need to make sure that uh, we're, we're doing those very things. Um, and of course, during this letter, uh, Paul is, is still speaking to the church about, uh, if you go down to verse 9, about the truth about speaking to the Jews. Peter, James, Peter, and John, who are known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift God had given me. They accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. Their only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor, which we have always been eager to do. We don't want to forget about the poor. That's a great point. I want to cover that very, very quickly. Um, the apostles were referring to caring for the poor in Jerusalem because the Jerusalem church had suffered from a severe famine in Palestine. Um, that, if uh, We can look at that very quickly. Acts chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Acts 11, 28 through 30. And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine all over the world. This took place in the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. Now, one thing I'm always reminded of, too, is that uh, we, we, of course, remember how... um, there was a gathering of funds for the Jewish Christians. There was all kinds of activity to, to try to reach out to the poor uh, because there are going to be stretches of that you know of even today where uh, you'll, you'll see commercials on TV about people who are poor or are living in a, a near-famine state and they're in need of assistance and all that. And I would just suggest to you that uh, you can give to poor here locally as well as giving to the poor all over the world. Um, choose your charities that you want to, uh, to be involved with wisely. Be prayerful about them and see where the Lord convicts you to give because there's always going to be poor among us, as Jesus has said, and we need to always be conscious of helping them. That's the emphasis in verse 10 here. Their only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor, which I have always been eager to do. And we need to make sure that you, to understand that sometimes it is the church that has to step up and help those who are less fortunate and usually it falls into the category of wherever that church is located that we try to help people in those areas where it's needed to be helped but pray about your contributions uh, to help people who are less fortunate Um, they really do rely upon the generosity of the believers uh, in many many situations so we need to make sure that we're conscious of that so you see this passage is covering a lot of different Uh, areas of subject matter that we need to be uh, looking to here. So let's continue. Now, this is the thing where uh, we're going to look at Peter. And Peter's going to get kind of dressed down, (laughs) I don't know any other way to put it, by Paul because of his double-minded behavior. Verse 11, uh, back to Galatians 2, verse 11. But when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from those people, these people who insist on the necessity of circumcision. As a result, other Jewish believers followed Peter's hypocrisy, and even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. Now, you see why Peter 
had to be called out by Paul. Because not only was he being double-minded, he was also deceiving others and misleading other people in their behaviors when they should have been looking to being consistent all the way across the board, whether Jew or Gentile. And honestly, we need to look at any behavior like that that is double-minded within the church and deal with it and fix it. And let the Spirit lead in your conversation, obviously. Um, it may be the you know confrontation one brother to another, having a, a discussion about this, about being consistent across the board and not saying one thing to one person and saying something to another person if it's been, it been found out. But you have to understand that Satan is very, very busy in our churches today, making sure that people will not treat other people the right way or, or treat people improperly. Uh, we don't want that. We don't ever want to see that in a church. We want to see a consistent behavior. And it's important for us to see that. Um, and this was very important, too, because Antioch, where they were referring to, uh, it was heavily populated by Greeks. It became a strong Christian center. And that's where the believers were first called Christians in the uh, place of Antioch in Syria. This is not the Antioch in Pisidia, but the Antioch in Syria, uh, the Syria that we know of today. It became the headquarters for the Gentile church, and it was Paul's base of operations. So that was the hub, so to speak, of this Gentile church, uh, where we need to make sure that we, are, uh, we were not misleading people. We were doing what was right before the Lord. So if you go down to verse 14, and I, it was in, interesting that this passage was devoted to, it's all one verse, verse 14, when I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter, in front of all the others, since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile, why are you now trying to make these Gentiles follow the Jewish traditions? Why are you going backwards with your faith, recognizing that it's not about Jewish tradition, it's about just believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. I say this with a cautionary tune for all, that we are not about going to church because of tradition. We are about going to church because we are worshiping and praising the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing I think of about Jewish traditions is uh, a lot of uh, black churches are caught up in tradition, and they are less inclined to speak about knowing Jesus and learning more about Jesus and growing in Jesus. Um, I don't want to paint a broad brush because that wouldn't be fair. Um, but if you're finding, if you're spending time in traditions, doing different things to celebrate people, you're less likely to be celebrating Christ. That's the important thing to look at here. So I want to make sure that that is communicated here so that later on someone will go back and say, uh, Mel said you can't do this or can't do that. No, it's not me. It's Jesus is saying that we need to be looking to him and focusing on him. And so back, uh, going back to verse 15, because we want to make sure that uh, we understand that Peter was being a hypocrite. Uh, he had known what was best for him to do, but he was driven by fear, fear of what James and the other Jewish leaders would think. Even though he was with the Gentiles, he knew what the, the true message was. He was driven by fear. 
And Proverbs 29.25 says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare. Fear of men. We, we do things sometimes out of fear. Um, one of the most important things for us to understand is that fear does not, when I talk about fear or being afraid of something, that does not come from God. God gives us a fear as related to reverence for him and having a respect for him. Uh, we want to make sure that we're very clear about that, but he is not the author of fear. And so Paul knew he had to confront Peter before his actions had damaged the church because there were people who were starting to follow him. So, go back to Galatians 2, verse 15. You and I are Jews by birth, not sinners like the Gentiles. And sinners is in this little quote thing. But understand something. All of us are sinners, saved by grace, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile. So, he was making a point here, but I want to make sure I emphasize that Jews were sinning too. And if you read further in the passage, you'll see that. Uh, if you go further down in the passage, it says, verse 16, Yet we know that a person is made right by God with faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. Not by obeying the law. The Jews were obeying the law, but they were stumbling and bumbling because they weren't following the true God. They were so intent on making sure that they were being lawful. And we believe, continuing reading in the passage, and we believe in Christ Jesus so we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. And finally, he says, for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law, period. That's the statement. You're never going to be made right with God by obeying the law. The law itself will not make you righteous. The only thing that makes you righteous is grace by faith in Jesus Christ. The graciousness of Christ, who died on the cross for us and shed his blood for all of our sin, is the only thing that makes us righteous. We learn from the Old Testament about all the sacrifices and all the things that were done that would supposedly pay for the repentance of sin, that that was even inadequate after all was said and done. Because there was no amount of bloodshed through animals that was going to take place or sacrifices that was going to redeem all of mankind. The example was being set in the Old Testament about the importance of the blood being shed as a cleansing mechanism according to the Lord Jesus Christ. It wasn't according to us because um, sacrificing an animal and spraying blood all over the place looked like anything but a clean action. But this is what God had determined to be necessary for people to see for in order for us to make the correlation of the Christ Jesus shedding his blood for us as an eternal sacrifice for us. That's what we needed to be seen. So we need to make sure, and Paul drives it home here in his opposition of Peter, but suppose we seek to be made right, this verse 17 in Galatians 2, but suppose we seek to be made right with God through faith in Christ, and then we are found guilty because we have abandoned the law. Would that mean Christ has led us into sin? Absolutely not. Rather, I am a sinner if I rebuild the old system of law I already tore down. Remember, when Jesus died, that curtain was torn open, that huge curtain was ripped in two. That's symbolic. That's the symbolic of the removal of the old way of doing things. The old way has been destroyed. We now have a new way. If you're going back into the old system, uh, Paul, Paul is just telling you you're going back into sin. 
because it's no longer necessary. There is an old covenant and there is a new covenant. And Jesus Christ, he is the new covenant that we need to look to. And a lot of those things that we looked at in Old Testament uh, were torn down, dismantled, been rendered unnecessary when it comes to your walk with Jesus Christ. And we need to see that. And look at what it says here. Rather, if I'm a sinner, if I rebuild the old system of law, I already tore down. For verse 19, for when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. Now, he had to say all of this in front of everybody in the church. He had to call out everyone to make it very clear that this whole thing about the Jews' way of doing things, the old way of doing things, the, the need for um, uh, sacrifices, the way that they had done them, performing according to the law, that was no longer necessary. And we need to understand that that is the thing that is very important for us to remember. Be aware of God's speaking to you. You need to make sure that you are not replacing the gospel with Christian legalism. Boy, oh boy, there's that word. We've heard that before. Legalism. Legalism is the great enemy right now in the church by getting overly caught up. You can't earn God's favor by works. We can only receive eternal life, blessing from God, if we trust and believe in Jesus Christ. It's about being obedient to him. That's right. I do not treat the grace of God as meaningless, for if keeping the law could make us right with God, then there was no need for Christ to die. Christ had to die for us to show the importance of us looking to him and remaining faithful to him. So we need to see this thing about legalism. And legalism, uh, I'm probably going to save the message I prepared for this week for next week, um, just to keep it short because it's a little bit longer message. But understand that legalism is what keeps us from living in today's world and dealing with the world we live in. We, we have a lot of people that we come in, across and encounter who have different philosophical differences when it comes to lifestyles, different ways of seeing life than we do. And they may believe that they love the Lord too. They may actually have... Um, the teaching that they understand about loving the Lord, but the bottom line is that um, we need to make sure that we're loving them as we give them information about the love of God and the truth. Uh, and that's something that we'll cover probably next week uh, in more detail. Um, but it's really, really important for us to avoid legalism. Legalism is what keeps us from talking to people about Jesus Christ. Because legalism automatically condemns. I'm just telling you flat out. Legalism already draws a line in the sand that all people are not approachable. You won't want to approach someone who is living a different lifestyle because um, legalism makes you feel that way. Jesus says to love everyone. And so that's very important for us to see. And Paul had to learn that. It took him some time to learn that. And his exposure with other believers, James, Peter, John, pillars of the church, people who are very highly regarded, were also teaching him as well too. They and Barnabas as well. I don't want to leave him out. Barnabas was a companion 
uh, Barnabas had traveled with him. So we need to see that these are all relevant things to even today about the importance of being accepted um, because of your faith, your belief in the gospel. The gospel is authentic. It doesn't require any compromise. It doesn't require any watering down. But we want to make sure that we're also meeting head-on any issues within the church where people are teaching or preaching something that is different than what the true gospel is. And I trust that a lot of us believers here in our fellowship have the capability and the ability to do that. And if you don't think you do, um, you might be uh, underestimating yourself a little bit. Just get into the Word. Seek the Lord and have Him give you guidance and greater understanding as you read and learn. None of us have stopped learning. We are always learning. We are always growing. And as this world is changing constantly, we have to be ready to meet those changes and still proclaim the love of Jesus Christ to anyone and everyone. Amen? Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us to, to come together and have a, a great discussion, Lord, about your goodness, about how you love us, about how you care for us. We thank you, Lord, for your very presence this morning. We thank you, Lord, for loving us before we even loved you. We thank you for your guidance. We thank you for your mercy. And above all, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the sacrifices that you've made for us to ensure that we have eternal life with you. Help us, Lord, to continue to be taught, to have the desire to be taught, to remain obedient to you and your word. And we give you all the praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to be signing off here. Uh, it's 1016. We're going to have to prepare um, to go down to Akron and have a little bit of church. And it will be a little bit. Um, no praise music, but that's okay. We're going to get together and say hi to everyone. The fellowship time is very important. Uh, for those of you who are coming down to church today, those of you who are online now, you can get online down there as well too because we'll be uh, online on Facebook Live and presenting um, the the message, albeit a brief one, uh, to get together. But uh, stay tuned on Facebook uh, Live and look for a live uh, feed in that area. If you're coming down, just stay in the car. Good morning, Glenda. Good morning, family. Good morning, everyone. Uh, we welcome you back here uh, in about, <clears throat> pardon me, 45 minutes or so, uh, and we'll get together online for a little bit more church. Amen. Um, dodging the raindrops a little bit today. For those of you coming down, stay in your cars. You can crack the windows open. I don't know if it's going to be a driving rainstorm or not, uh, but we'll, we'll keep it safe, and we'll be practicing the ultimate social distancing by staying in our cars, I guess. Um, bring your masks just in case there's a little bit of window for getting out and saying hello. Um, but God bless you all. Thank you so much for joining us online this morning, as you do every Sunday. Um, couldn't do this without you. Couldn't do this without the Lord Jesus Christ just blessing and giving us a chance to get together. And so we'll see you in about 45 minutes or so. Until next week here, we'll see you next time. Take care.